The pay disparity between the men and women is, is just too large and, and we want to continue to fight. Uh, the generation of players before us fought and now it's our job to, to keep on fighting. The pay cap for the women's Major League Soccer players is 11 times less than the pay cap for men's Major League Soccer. 11 times. Rapino gets across him. Listening to Give and Go with Rotas Wadera only on Girls Soccer Network. Hello and welcome. You are listening to episode 55 of Give and Go. I'm your host, Rotas Wadera, and thank you guys so, so much for making the choice to listen to us at Girls Soccer Network. Again, for all of the latest and greatest content for the world of women's soccer, be sure to go to www.girlssoccernetwork.com as well as check us out on Instagram at Girls Soccer Network or on Twitter at Girls Soccer Net. All right, we've got a lot to get into. Today's interview is with Kansas City Currents' Alex Lawera. She just wrapped up an incredible season with a team that pulled off one of the great turnarounds in league history. They were unable to, of course, get to the finish line or get across the finish line, should I say, and, and win and defeat Portland. But that's a great conversation that we had, and you definitely, definitely want to listen to that. So stick around for that. We have... NCAA tournament updates for you. Of course, our last episode, we did a little bit on video as well with Sam Carey, who has been doing some amazing work with us at Girls Soccer Network. So she's also been posting on TikTok. Be sure to go over and follow us over there as well. So in terms of all of the great stuff that's going on with the NCAA tournament, we've got some crazy updates to get you caught up on. We'll start there. Of course, my bracket is not completely in shambles, but uh, there were a lot of upsets that I, I don't think a lot of us saw coming. First off, we have to start with UC Irvine doing it again. This time it was USC. So last year you take out UCLA. This year you take out USC. Unreal for that program to be able to do it back-to-back years. Something that is just truly unheard of at this level. Two back-to-back huge upsets. We need to start recognizing UC Irvine as, as a major, major program in the Sweet 16. So not only do you dominate USC in a rematch, right? So you, they scored early, were able to keep them out defensively, and then scored one late in the 88th minute to kind of put the game away. Really doesn't get much better than that. And then you have to take out Brown in penalty kicks, a very good team out of the Ivy League that also upset Rutgers in the first round. So that's the beauty of the bracket, right, where, you know, UC Irvine probably should have been playing Rutgers, which would have been a tougher matchup for them. But Brown instead um, still posed equally enough of a challenge. And so they both went to penalty kicks. Irvine squeaked it out in the Sweet 16 now. And they're going to take on one of the one seeds in the bracket, Alabama. Now, you'd have to think if they could beat USC, they have a good chance to beat Alabama. That's going to be a fun, fun matchup in the Sweet 16 to definitely, definitely keep your eye on. Other major upsets going on around the bracket. Memphis, I don't think, was something a lot of people saw coming. Sam Carey, of course, did have Memphis beating St. Louis, but I don't think we had Memphis beating Mississippi State in the second round. That's a really good SEC team. And Memphis, again, it's the beauty of 
this game, the beauty of the tournament, where essentially you don't have to have the best regular season. If you're playing the best soccer at the right time, they go on a run and win the American Athletic Conference Championship, the conference tournament. That gives them an automatic bid into the field. And then you take out St. Louis and Mississippi State. Now you're asking to take on Arkansas will be a much, much tougher ask for Memphis. But hey, you never know with with these Cinderella stories. One of my uh, final picks to get to the final was Stanford. They have been eliminated thanks to BYU. I did get a chance to catch the second half of that game. It was 1-1. BYU actually jumped on Stanford early and scored within the first 10 minutes. Stanford was able to respond. And then in the second half, you really saw them press BYU, really looked for that win game winner and just were unable to, to do so. The keeper made some great saves. The defenders really defended with everything they had it took everything they could possibly do to be able to get two extra time and then to penalties and again all it took was one missed penalty they both teams were going stride for stride stanford missed their fifth and that just opened the door for byu to steal it and so just like that heartbreak of the ncaa tournament stanford is out that's a really good team why had going far byu clip them with that you know defensive sit back kind of style they did create chances as well wasn't like they didn't create chances either but that's a big big win for BYU as they look to continue to capitalize on this you know run of great players that they have Jamie Shepard is someone again who you're going to want to keep an eye on coming up in the NWSL draft she's really in that central defensive midfield role really able to distribute move the ball around and help the team out in a variety of ways but yeah just going back to Irvine really quick I, I just want to talk about how difficult it is to do it two years in a row when that team full well knows what you're coming in to do knowing that you're upset minded knowing that you're gonna do everything you can to do it again because last year it was a bit of a surprise. I, I'm sure UCLA didn't give Irvine the respect they deserve. Now, this time, to to lose after you know having beaten Irvine earlier in the year, Irvine went to USC and lost. That prepared them for a game like this. That's why you know Coach Scott Juniper has done an incredible job. He made sure to go out and really schedule the tougher games earlier on in the year so that when you get to the end of the year, you're ready. For a team like USC and then you're ready for a team like Brown and they're going to be ready for a team like Alabama now it's going to be a bit of a different style taking on a team from the SEC but I think it's going to be a great matchup again we talked about that already but again a fun matchup now we've talked about a lot of the the upsets let's get into a little bit more of some of the big matchups that we have coming in as a result of the big teams advancing so I think the biggest game remaining is you know Penn State against Virginia that is going to be a firecracker of a game Penn State in the snow had to take on West Virginia and they managed to you know dominate them uh, West Virginia went on a great run to win the Big 12 tournament and were able to win that first game against Virginia Tech but Penn State in the snow, you're not beating them. I'm sorry. It's not going to happen. And with that, with their defensive style as it is, if they put a couple past you, it, it's game over at that point. So Penn State against Virginia 
two contrasting styles. Again, this is going to be such a tough one to call. You had Penn State in the bracket, so I still believe that they're going to be able to advance. I think, again, they're the ultimate equalizer, the ultimate uh, eraser for these ACC teams is a team like Penn State because of how they can defend. And as long as they keep that you know, score at zero, um, they're always going to have a chance to really uh, go far and all they have to do again is score once or twice and they're able to see the game out in that way so they can win in a variety of ways penn state's going to be good i'm hoping we get penn state ucla um, at the bottom of the bracket ucla got pushed to penalty kicks by ucf and again ucf another team out of the american conference so that's a great tournament for um, the american athletic conference for both of those teams to do so well, even though UCF is now out, to take the number one team to penalty kicks is certainly, certainly a big deal. We also have Duke versus South Carolina. Now, Duke is one of my Final Four teams. South Carolina, I had getting bounced in the first round by Wake Forest. Obviously, that did not happen. South Carolina is a great through the first two games, taking out Wake and Harvard. Harvard, that's a really good Harvard team. Again, one of the best in the Ivy. But South Carolina is one of the best teams in the SEC. So they've really handled their business so far. Now they get to take on a Duke team that... Uh, is star-studded, and we all know about what Michelle Cooper can do. I think she is the X factor in this game. It all comes down to how well can South Carolina slow her down. If they can't, it's going to be a long day for the Gamecocks, and I think Duke should get this done in what will be a big, big matchup. Let's see, what else do we have? Notre Dame has been absolutely on fire. We did get TCU right. They did manage to scrape by Michigan State. So Notre Dame-TCU is going to be a really, really good matchup. And it's, in all likelihood, assuming Notre Dame can advance, you're looking at North Carolina versus Notre Dame on that Elite Eight matchup, which would be absolutely incredible guys like acc all right notre dame ends up getting the one seed in this side of the region over north carolina but again carolina has been able to handle their business as well without much of a fuss they i believe took out georgia without much of a problem so you know the tar heels notre dame seem destined for that matchup and the same goes for arkansas arkansas and florida state on the, on the top region that's looking like what the elite eight's going to be florida state arkansas north carolina notre dame on the top and then duke and then maybe uc irvine if uc irvine can keep this incredible run going it'll either be duke or alabama or uc irvine and then you have Penn State, UCLA at the bottom. So you're looking at some incredible matchups if we get them. Still plenty of upsets to be had. And so we will have to keep, we'll be sure to keep you updated on on all that great stuff. Let's take a look at how we did overall in, in terms of picks. I think we, so 23 out of 32 in terms of the first round picks, which isn't great considering most of the time it does end up being chalky it's about just getting the the upsets right but still i will take 23 out of 32 with three out of the four final four teams still intact Alrighty, so that was the ncaa tournament we're going to shift over to the world of women's soccer in terms of the nwsl we're going to give you a roundup of all the other leagues around the world but first let's kick it off with a interview with alex loera from the kansas city current 
Again, a really great conversation, guys. She was awesome, really open and honest about everything in terms of her career. Have a have a listen, guys. Enjoy. I'm with Alex Loera of the Kansas City Current, a defender slash midfielder who had an amazing year with on a team that went on an incredible run. So, Alex, how are how are you doing after what was an incredible season? And what are you kind of doing to unwind in the offseason? Yeah, I think it's just, I've just been reflecting a lot. Um, I'm still here in KC, so um, I've just had the time to kind of go over the game a couple of times and, and watch it back and just uh, kind of see where we went wrong, what we can improve on, what we did well. So just a lot of reflection on the season, um, some personal reflection, what I can work on, what I can do better for, for our team next year. And then just to kind of unwind, I've been doing um a lot of little workout classes because I love doing the little the little orange theory or or stuff like that and so uh, that's been a huge like just to kind of get my mind off it is just go to a couple of those classes hang out with my kittens um, yeah that's pretty much it yeah would you say you know that definitely helps take your mind off a loss like that where you have to where you came so close yeah, I think it's it's good that we still look at the positive, and that's kind of what's helped me take my mind off that is just how great of a season we did have, um, especially I can't speak on last season, but coming off of last season and doing so well, I think it just goes to show that, um, you know, our ownership and our and our coaching staff and every every staff member really is invested in this in the the progress of this um organization so I think just just remaining focused on the good stuff that did happen um, is super important for me absolutely and so after what was a crazy year if you could pick one what was your favorite moment from this year yeah there were definitely a lot Um, but I would say my favorite like team moment this year was when we beat North Carolina four to three at North Carolina, the game was just going back and forth and back and forth. And I was like, oh, my gosh, it's going to be one of these games. Um, and then Claire had her first career goal that game, and it was just a banger. Mm-hmm. So it was incredible. Um, and just to kind of take that road win home and just keep coming back from being down showed a lot of our character um, and who we want to be as a team. So I think that was just kind of like our ultimate point when it was like, you know what, like, even if we go down, we're going to keep fighting and that's going to be who we are. So I, I definitely think that was one of my favorites. For sure. And some of your teammates naturally came over from the courage. So did that win have a little extra meaning for, for you guys, too, in that area? I mean, yes, I, I guess, just because it's it's always fun when you play your old team and um, your old club and you win. But um, I think our girls had such a great experience at North Carolina that uh, they were happy to see their their friends again. Absolutely. And so for you, you know, you've come from, I mean, you've had a great, I mean, career going back from your youth career all the way up till now, where in terms of your journey, your work ethic, your drive, your passion for the game, where does all of that come from? Yeah, I, from a very young age, my parents instilled, uh, when you commit to something, you give it your all, you do it right the first time. Um, and so I just think having that commitment from them and just kind of that reinforcement from them that, you know, 
if you want to do something like you do it to the best of your ability um, and you don't, you don't do it half. And so I think that was just kind of um, growing up and having that in the back of my head was definitely something that has like kept pushing me just to show up every day. Um, even if I, if my, my glass isn't full, I still empty what I do have in my glass. So I think it's just, just kind of having that mindset that like, whatever I'm going to do, I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. And so um, if that requires extra training or extra film work or anything, then that means I have to do it. So I definitely think my parents have, have kind of fostered that um, mindset from a very young age. That's amazing. And so as you kind of are now at the pro level, what are some of your strengths that you feel you bring to the team and what are weaknesses that you're looking to work on uh, in your game? Yeah, I definitely think that everyone saw that one of my strengths is how versatile I am. Um, wherever Matt needed me, um, whether that was attacking mid, holding mid, center back, outside back, like I was able to just kind of step into those roles and and do it to the best of my ability. And so um, I think that's definitely something that is a strength of mine is just how well I know the game and how I can step into different um, positions at any time and and still help my team succeed. Um, and then obviously just this, the the physical aspect of it, like in this league, the, the women are faster, stronger. And so it's just kind of um, working with my strength coach to get my to get my first five steps faster or something, just physical aspect of it would be definitely something to work on in the off season. Absolutely. So you mentioned that because you were at Santa Clara in 2021, you joined the team in 2022. Mm -hmm. When did you start to feel like this team had the opportunity to do something special? Was it something right from the beginning or something that you guys worked towards throughout the year? Yeah, I definitely think, we we worked towards it a lot this year but if i for me if i'm remembering uh this one moment where it was after our fifth loss in a row and and we just felt like we were not getting results but we were we were playing well and ad kind of stepped into our huddle and everyone was like super super bummed and and ad stepped into our huddle i think it was actually at chicago maybe um she stepped into the huddle after the game and was just like this is not good enough. She was like, everyone needs to feel this loss and know that it's not good enough. Like we're creating chances. We're not capitalizing. We're letting way too many goals in, um, in our net. And so she was just kind of in that moment. She, it was a very emotional moment just because we all felt like what is going on this season is, you know, not going how we wanted it to after challenge cup, how much success we had in that. And so uh, I just felt like a shift in everybody after that that moment when AD held us all accountable and and was like, you know what? Like, if we think we're playing good, like we got to take it up one more because it's not working. And from then on, that's when we started our thirteen unbeaten streak. And so um, that was definitely kind of the moment when I felt um, everyone shifted because if we're able to still hold each other accountable in those emotional moments and those moments where where we're really feeling the the loss. Um, there's just so much that we can do. And and I think that showed throughout the season. That's amazing. So really she stepped up and showed her leadership. She's mm -hmm. kind of like the unequivocal leader of your team. Yeah. She, in that moment, she just stepped up and was like, look, it's not good enough. And we were all like, yeah, you're right. So it was, yeah, it was definitely nice for her to, her to step up and hold us all accountable. Cool. 
when you look at going back to your versatility, what you talked about in terms of your strengths, what is your favorite position to play in when you're out there? Mm -hmm. Is it defensively? Is it in that center midfield holding role? Is it up top? Where do you like to play most? Yeah, I would say I love playing the six, but I do think that I kind of like a double six with Desi just because I have a little bit more freedom to go forward. Mm -hmm. Um, and I love going forward. So it's like, it's the six. And even if there was just a single six, like I still love being in that position. It just gives me um, the opportunities to fail, but grow from it and, and be creative. And so I think that the six, but more of like a double six so that I have a little bit of a, a little bit more free reign to go do whatever I want. That's awesome, man. So do you ever see yourself possibly sneaking into the national team? I know Julie Ertz is, is on the mend. There's kind of like an up in the air situation in that spot. So is that something that you feel like you can work towards? Yeah, I definitely want to um, eventually reach that. That's been a long-term goal for me for a long time. Um, and that's kind of why I'm choosing to stay in Kansas City for the offseason so that I can really work with our coaching staff and um, our strength and conditioning staff so that I can take my game to the next level. And I think, I think I've had a lot of good conversations with my coach about um, where, where he sees me in the future and kind of in Flacco's eyes. And so it's just, I definitely, it's on my radar to make it to that level. And, and I, yeah, I'm just excited for, for this off season to see how far I can take myself and, and, and potentially eventually reach that goal. And, you know, you're talking about growth. You, from where you first started off coming into the league, do you feel like you were overlooked based on where you were drafted in spite of what you achieved national championship, three-time WCC Defensive Player of the Year? You did so much, and yet you ended up number 36 overall, almost didn't get drafted. And when I look at the field, the only defender that has probably played as much or as more than you was Emily Fox, who was the number one pick. Every other defender that was taken after that has not even seen the field in the last year, year and a half. So how does that feel for you? And do you feel like you were overlooked? Did you take that personally in terms of the Jordan meme? Yeah, I don't think I um, took it personally. I actually kind of maybe took it the other way. Um, just I felt really humbled to be taken a draft early because I didn't even put my name in that draft. Mm. Uh, that was during COVID. So that's when everybody got put in. Um, and my coach, Jerry Smith at Santa Clara, he was talking to the NWSL coaches and was like, don't draft her. Like she's not coming, oh. um, which we had already previously discussed because he also would have liked to see me go higher. So he was like, don't draft her. Like she's, if you draft her, like, you're you're not getting a player right now she's coming next year and so I actually took it as a really humbling experience and felt really grateful to Kansas City to to draft me knowing that I wasn't coming like they invested they were invested in me that much that they wanted to keep my rights until I was able to come um and so I I do think it's easy to to kind of see that from the other side like you were taken late you were but um I'm just one to kind of focus on the positive. And so just knowing that they wanted me enough to take me a draft early and know that I'm not coming was a very humbling experience for me. Absolutely. So 
you get to stay after that, right? You get to stay for that year. And you guys, of course, go on to, to win the national championship. What was that run like? And then to see your teammates now at the NWSL with you, what is that like? Yeah, it was actually insane because going into the tournament, we, Santa Clara County was the strictest, one of the strictest counties in the nation on COVID protocol. Mm -hmm. Um, So we couldn't even play preseason games. And there's teams that are already have eight games under their belt going into conference. And so um, we had zero and we ended up winning the conference. I think that's the year that we tied BYU, but it was insane. We ended up going to the tournament with just seven games um, and then ended up winning the entire thing. I think we knocked out like two SEC, one ACC. And it was just like, it was nuts. And I, I can't even explain it to you. And then in that championship game, I just felt it. I just felt like something in my gut was like, we're going to win this. And so uh, to now see like Julie Doyle and Kelsey Turnbow, um, those were the two that were on my team at the time um, in the NWSL and like doing so well. It's been uh, great to see them obviously thrive. And, and I think that's something so special about Santa Clara is that Broncos support Broncos always. Um and so just seeing everybody, Danny Weatherhall, um, Sofia Huerta kind of thrive, it's just, it's, it's fun to think that we all came from the same place and, and we're doing so well in the league now. Yeah, and one of the other people who we've also gotten the chance to work with at GSN is, is Leslie Osborne, who's also, of mm-hmm. course, a, a legendary Santa Clara alum. Have you, what's your relationship been like with her since winning the title? Did you have a relationship before then? How's how's that been? What's that been like? Yeah, it's I actually started nannying her babies. Um, no way. <laughs> my yeah, my sophomore year of college. Um, and so I was with her and her family for two and a half years uh, before I came here actually. And I cannot say enough good things about that family. I love Leslie um like a motherly figure. Like she is she is just a great human being and her husband, Ricky, he's fantastic. Um, there are three girls. I'm sure you've probably seen them all over Instagram. Like they are wild and beautiful and just so crazy. And so um, Leslie actually flew out to the national championship to come um, support us and support me. And so then I actually saw her in DC. So I, yeah. And I talked to her quite often, um, so she just, she's been an outstanding mentor for me. If I could have my life play out the way that Leslie's has, like I would be so lucky and <laughs> and honored. And she, yeah, what she does for women's soccer and just her investments and stuff, she is like the ultimate mentor in my, in my opinion. So I'm very, very lucky and blessed to know her and her family. That's amazing. That, wow. Did not know it went that deep. That's that's really yeah. <laughs> that's really great. So keeping it uh keeping things on the West Coast side of things, uh you were originally from Colorado, right? Mm-hmm. And did you come through the Colorado youth system in terms of soccer or did you Yes. Be... Okay. So So I played, yeah, I played for Colorado Storm. And so what do you think it is about the youth soccer system that's allowed for you to develop? Because I'm noticing this like charge between yourself, Mallory Pugh, Sophia Smith, Lindsay Horan, this whole slew of stars coming out of Colorado. What do you think it is about that system that has allowed for you to develop in the way that you have? 
Yeah, I think that I can speak for Colorado Storm. Um, I just think that the clubs in Colorado are so much like a family. Like they want to see every single person succeed. Um, And so for me, I played for Storm South, which was an hour away, hour and a half, depending on traffic from where I lived. Um, So I would travel down there every day for practice. Um, And if our practice got canceled, there's a Storm North too, which is five minutes from my house. Um, And I knew some of the coaching staff at Storm North. Um, One of them in particular was Jeff Carroll. And he was just so invested in my success, even though I played for the South side of our, of our club, he was so invested in my success. Um, he would, would reach out and let me know when his top practice times were because he coached um, younger boys. And so he would let me know when um, his U18 practice was or his U19 practice was so that I can go train um, with these boys who at the time were faster, stronger, um, their speed of play was a lot faster than mine. Um, and so just to have him and his team as an option for whatever I wasn't able to practice with my team, or even if I did practice with my team, he was like, hey, my practice is later. If you have enough gas and if you want to come, like you're more than welcome. And so there would be times where I would go straight from my practice to his practice because I just felt that I could learn so much from him. Um and his teams that just the, the family culture and just everybody invested in the players, um, whether you're on their team or not, I think is definitely part of what um, makes the Colorado program so, so good. And the, what, and the teams that um, the clubs that Mal and Sophia Smith and Lindsay Horan, Oh wait, Lindsay Horan, I think maybe played for rush, but, Real Colorado is where Matthew and Sophia Smith came out of. And my little sister actually played for Real Colorado. So I got to see a little bit of their, um, their networking and how they worked. And I, I honestly could say the same thing about them. Like they were so kind to me because we all knew who each each other were. Um, They were so kind to me. They offered me to come out to practice with their team, even though um, I was not even in the same club. So it was, it's just, Everybody, no matter what club you are, no matter what age, they are so supportive, so invested. Um, and so I, I definitely think that's something that has made Colorado um, top tier for, for their youth programs. That's awesome. So it's like one big family. Yeah. It stays yes. on. <laughs> that's cool. That's great. All right. So last question for you, Alex, uh, what is your advice to all the young girls out there trying to make it to the next level, whether it's high school, college or pro? Yeah, I would say two things. Like, just the first one is no dream is too big. I think um, if you put your faith in God and you know that that He's got you and you put in the work, that ultimately you can get whatever done that you want to get done. You just have to be ready for the sacrifices and the commitment and the discipline that it takes. Um, and then the second thing I would say is just put yourself in a position to fail now so that you can grow later on. Um, and I, and I really, really stand by this because when I would train with these boys teams, I probably lost the ball every single time I touched it. But over time, I saw myself being able to keep up with their speed of play because I put myself in that position to fail early so I can get better later. Um, 
And so just surrounding yourself with people who are better than you um, at the time, it sucks and it's very frustrating, but you see yourself starting to grow and you go back to your team and you see yourself growing. So yeah, I, I would say those two things. Again, that was Alex Loera of the Kansas City Current. Again, a great conversation. Her overall work ethic, just how she has continued to grind. I love the story how, you know, her college coach, Jerry Smith, essentially said, no, no one draft her. She's not, she's coming back for another year. There's no need. But again, when you're a player that is that talented, someone is going to want to secure your rights so that, even if they had to wait a year, they were willing to wait a year. And so rather than the whole narrative of why was she taken so late in the draft, it was more so she wasn't even supposed to be taken uh, because of her college coach telling everyone not to, you know, not to get drafted just yet. Uh, but it ended up working out perfectly in the end because look at how her career has started off. She's been, again, a Swiss Army knife playing all over the pitch in terms of defensive midfield at the back defensively. She's talked about playing in a six or even the double six where she can play off of Desiree Scott and really roam around and, and do a little bit of attacking and defending, uh, which is where we've seen her be most effective. So, again... Thank you so much, Alex. That was a really great conversation. We hope you guys enjoyed it as well. All right, moving on to England first. We will move to the FAWSL before we move on to a couple of the other leagues. Uh, United. Manchester United are the team I want to talk about. Yes, I have a little bit of bias. Okay, I'm going to get that out of the way right off the bat. But they are playing some of the best football that they've played in the league so far this year. Now, they're only behind Arsenal on goal difference, and that is because they just beat Arsenal in an absolute 3-2 thriller. It went back and forth back and forth but Alessia Russo out here with another stoppage time winner is there anything that she can do you want to talk about the perfect perfect super sub to come in and win you a game it's Alessia Russo so that was an incredible game that I highly encourage you guys to go to ATA football or wherever you can get highlights on Twitter go watch them because it was an incredible incredible game United are again looking like they're going to have an opportunity to possibly win the league and threaten Arsenal, Manchester City, and Chelsea in that top four. Of course, Emma Hayes is away for Chelsea, recovering from her surgery. So who knows what Chelsea is going to be able to produce on the pitch without her um, leading them. So you have Arsenal and you have City who are in the mix right now. Again, Arsenal have started really well, but United doesn't like they have such good players who no one talks about. For example, Katie Zalem is one of those stars, the captain, the number 10 for United, through thick and thin. She's always been with the club in first place in assists with five total, picking up two in the game before. And then you have Ona Battle and Leah Galton also in the top five in the league with three assists each. So you're talking about three players in the top five, 11 assists total. What does that mean? That means that they're sharing the ball, playing as a team more than they ever have. Before, you noticed 
Kristen Press and, and Tobin Heath came in to kind of bring exposure to kind of let people know, hey, Manchester United is here. Now it is even less about the star power and even more so about playing together, playing as a unit, playing as a team. So that's what's been a really cool thing to see for United. And I hope early on in the year that this is able to keep up. And I don't think they have as many players as everyone else who leave to go for international duties. They still do, but not as much as an Arsenal or a City. So keeping an eye on United, I let's hope that they can make things interesting in the, in the FAWSL this year. Also, Khadija Bunny Shaw, have to talk about her, already has eight goals on pace for 20 at this rate. She, I've been talking about her for so long on this podcast. You guys know this. The real ones know if you've been listening. I have been talking about Bunny Shaw for quite some time. She's pl- she's playing to that level now. Eight goals already. If she's not on the ball under a shortlist for next year, if she's not in that top 20 then I don't think it's a real list, to be honest with you. She's playing that well right now. All right, we move on to D1 Arkema, which is in France. Now, I wanted to highlight that normally when you think of that league, you think of Lyon, you think of PSG as the two giants, and Lyon more so, the, the dominant giant in the league. But... Paris FC, so it keeping it in Paris, they've also, you know, their last title, I believe, was 2005-2006 in the league. So they have won league titles before, at least five or six in the 90s. They had a solid period of, of dominance, actually. But now they're starting to, again, find their way back into the mix of, of possibly winning the league. Uh, based on the start they've gotten off to. And if you get off to a good start, you're going to be able to keep pace with the Lyons and the PSGs who might just, you know, take off and and not be able to really let you catch up at all. So, you know, Paris FC between Gaetan Tine, Matilda Bourdieu, and uh, Clara Matteo, right? So you got Clara Matteo, an attacking midfielder who's 23. You have... Bordeaux, who's also 24-25. They've got two young stars to go with some veterans. This team is going to have some superstars who you're going to start recognizing on the world stage later on. That's how good this Paris FC team is playing, how good they're going to be. So I think keep an eye on players like a Clara Matteo or Mathilde Bordeaux moving forward because definitely wanted to highlight how Paris FC is going to be in the mix this year, which we haven't seen for quite some time. Before I move to the A-League for the women, I kind of have to talk about La Liga. I have to talk about <laughs> La Liga at least a little bit and uh, how essentially Barcelona is just dominating. I mean, Real Madrid has a couple of players, Kosovar Aslani, the Swedish international. They've got some star power, but they're not going to be able to compete with Barcelona. Uh, it's just not even close. They're just going to run away with La Liga. So I talk about La Liga some more, but there's not really much to talk about when Barca is dominating in the way that they are. So I'll just leave it at that. Serie A, uh, Femenil as well. AS Roma, who is only three, four years in existence, is also in the mix for winning a possible Serie A title. Juventus has dominated. They've been the recent team of dominance with five titles. Roma would be looking for their first as a club, which would be huge. 
historic whenever you can win that first league title. So I think keep an eye on City as well. Again, ATA Football, who I believe has partnered up with a lot of the major sporting brands, media brands, like Sky Sports, like NBC Sports, to bring more action to the world is just a blessing. It's a great thing and really glad that we're going to have this opportunity to be able to watch more football from around the world. And yes, we get to the A-League again, formerly the Westfield W League. Now it's been changed to the A-League, which is what the Men's League was called. Now we're going with A-League Men, A-League Women instead, which is, uh, I, I like the W League better. I, it helped me differentiate or d- discern between which is the men's and which is the women's, but now it's A-League men, A-League women, so you have to specify in that way instead. Again, nothing nothing wrong with that, just a, just a preference thing. But the A-League has expanded this year. The Wellington Phoenix has been added to the mix as a New Zealand-based team with players only from New Zealand. So it's a very unique addition to the league because it always has just been Australian teams. So to have this addition is huge to to bring New Zealand based to help not like to help rise and elevate New Zealand football, the national team, as well as their their players. This is a huge move for them. Think of it as kind of like you know how we have in in the NBA uh, Canadian teams playing in the NBA, right? Like the Toronto Raptors. Think of it like that, <laughs> you know, kind of the neighboring country brings a team into the league and now we've got kind of all of our bases are covered now and we actually feel like the oceanic region is a little more represented, which I think is really, really cool. In terms of overall season outlook, it has just started. I think the top three in, in no particular order, the Brisbane Roar, Sydney FC and Melbourne City are going to be the teams to watch. Amina Ekic comes over from Louisville on loan to Melbourne City. Super excited to see. Like, it could be huge for her development to be in the, at a club like Melbourne. And she's going to be able to really impress, wow, some people out there. Guaranteed she's scoring at least one banger in the A-League. Guaranteed this season you could book that. So keep an eye on her. And then best player in the league is probably going to be Princess Ibini for Sydney FC really has continued to grow and get better and a Matilda's player going to be a Matilda's star at probably is a Matilda's star already someone who we're going to see feature at the World Cup next summer so again keep an eye on Princess Ibini it's a little surprising that she hasn't left and gone to a bigger club yet but she will be soon trust me she will be gone soon so again that's the A-League women's side of things keep an eye as this season goes on but it's cool to always watch the Americans get an opportunity as well and see them you know really shine in in a new place on the like entire opposite side of the world I think that makes it even cooler All right, that is all that we have for you today on episode 55 of Give and Go. Again, I'm your host, Rotas Wadera, and thank you so, so much for taking the choice to listen to us at Girls Soccer Network. Again, go to www.girlssoccernetwork.com for all the latest and greatest news analysis and insights, as well as check us out on Twitter, at Girls Soccer Net, on Instagram, at Girls Soccer Network, and on TikTok as well. Again, just search Girls Soccer Network. We will come up. Again, Thank you guys so, so much for tuning in. Give us a like, share, give us feedback, what kind of content. Reach out to us at Girls Soccer Network. Please let us know. Let us know what is going on. 
uh, and what you think we should be talking about as well. What what other content can we give to you? Okay, and lastly, we are approaching that holiday end of the year period, whether it's Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, whatever it is, we may have another episode to come within that time frame before the new year comes. So all we would like to do is wish you a very, very happy Thanksgiving, and hopefully I will be able to wish you guys a very Merry Christmas within the next month with the next episode. But stay tuned. We'll have more updates for you. Again, love you guys. Thank you so much. Peace out.